thinks, you know how you've always lived with a cat and gotten along really well with a cat. Well, that's why we're talking about cats and indeed 140 years of looking after cats with Battersea. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Bridie Williams and Hazel Adams, thank you so much for joining me on A Dog's Life. You're talking from Battersea Cats and Dogs Home on the amazing landmark milestone of 140 years of not only helping dogs, but helping cats too. What does this milestone mean to you? Um, So I just think it's amazing that we've been here 140 years for cats. And one of the fantastic things when you look through our history is just the sheer amount we've learned about these complex animals and the time that we've been going. Um, I'm always saying that I'm learning something new, if not every day, at least every week about cats. Um, So to me, it just sort of means we've gone from wanting to help cats to now being quite world leading with our sort of cat welfare, our stress management, our assessments of their temperament so that we're rehoming them responsibly and so on. So, yeah, it's just a really proud moment for us and we're really excited to be celebrating it. Hazel, from your point of view, you know, um, say how excited you are again about this milestone. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, along the back of what Bridie has said, um, I think for for so long it was kind of Battersea Dogs Home and, and a lot of people do associate us with just rehoming dogs and having dogs with us. But actually, especially in most recent years, you know, the cats have taken such a forefront and we're doing so much work to really push them. And, you know, the the work that we're putting into learning about them. And just as Bridie says, you are learning something new every day. Cats are incredibly complex um, and it makes our job so exciting to be able to sort of push that knowledge and push that education to kind of give the better life for cats as well. So it's something that we're really proud to push, especially 140 years. You can just imagine the things that we've learned and the things that we've done for cats in that time. And Gosh, I mean, you know, um, rehome just as many cats as dogs, just to yes. put out there as yeah. well. So, yeah, you you do. So, how many do you rehome on average a year? Uh, so, I think this year, correct me if I'm wrong, Hazel, we're looking at around two thousand cats that we live sort of rehomes, which yeah. is a phenomenal number, and it's a quarter of a million since we started looking after cats. Quarter of a million. Gosh, yeah. and how many dogs? Just to put it in perspective or comparison. Oh, that's so. Oh, no, yeah. you don't, a, a huge <laughs> not too amount. Up. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Amount this, um, yeah, I'd say probably not that far off. We tend to be sort of a similar level. Yeah, and the history of Battersea is so lovely, you know, because um, it was founded by an amazing woman up the Holloway Road, I believe. Yes, yeah, Mary Tilby, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and then that plot, which is still there, you know, despite London changing because obviously London back then in about Mm. what was it 1888 uh 1883 was the year that we started looking after cats but obviously we were looking after dogs for years before it was 1860 that um it was created um and yeah then I found it quite interesting the way we started looking after cats was there was a advert put in the newspaper where the public got to vote on whether Battersea Dogs Home would start looking after cats as well and unanimously everyone said yes do look <laughs> after the cats as well so that was fortunate for all of the cats and for us mm. yeah no totally but I so get it you know I mean I was one of these people 
you know, I'm a hardened dog lover, as everybody knows, and and so on. And and cats were the only pet I never grew up with. So when an amazing tuxedo striking kitten landed in my garden 13 years ago with my first bull terrier who hated cats aged nine, um, I really didn't think this was going to work. But he, Gremlin, was determined to stay. I mean, there was that was that. And um, long story short, Molly, my my bull terrier, and he became the best of friends. Like they were inseparable. It was like the incredible journey, you know, that Disney film. He he would come on walks with us. They were absolutely inseparable. And of course, when Molly passed, Gremlin did grieve. I saw that. Mm-hmm. And when Molly was ill, what he would do, and I had to bring a cat behaviorist, a friend of mine, to actually say, am I dreaming what I'm seeing? Okay. Because he would bring her, we were living in Buckinghamshire at the time in a rural setting. Let's put it into perspective. We weren't um, in Hackney. Um, And he would bring her rabbits that he'd found in the fields, but they were alive. And he'd bring them in and just give them to Molly. And sure enough, yes, this is cat behavior. When they know that someone in their group isn't well, they will bring them offerings to cheer them up and help make them better. Extraordinary. For me, it's this science and the the lack of knowledge in a way that's out there on cats. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, until you've had a relationship with a cat, as it were, you don't understand how enormously special they really, really Mm -hmm. are. And perhaps underestimated, you know, people all think, oh, I must have a dog, you know, because of Instagram now that's popularizing dogs more and more and more. And you can dress dogs up. Not that I agree with that, but you know what I'm saying? But with cats, you're more limited because you can't take them from A to B. Certainly, I would say dressing them up is a no-no. So, They actually were the third most popular pet during lockdown, I read somewhere. Dogs were number one, cats were number three, and rabbits were number two. What do you make of that? I think part of um, the thing with cats is just also how subtle they can be with uh, their behaviour and the Mm -hmm. way that they let you know how they're feeling and so on. So they can sometimes, there can be, you need to give them that space and time and patience before you maybe get to truly get to know your cat and their temperament and how to interact with them to get the best most trusting relationship Mm. together and that sometimes can maybe work against cats who have you know there are more immediate sort of interactions potentially with um sort of certain animals and dogs Mm. in particular Mm. yeah yeah I mean how you know obviously 140 years is a very long time and the world has really changed in this time you know of course um so you know in today's modern world with all the pressures that we have you know lifestyles and different types of accommodation now you know where do you see cats fitting in I suppose in this big debate should cats be outdoor to express their natural behaviors and you know have a great Mm. life Mm. killing rats and doing Mm. what they are pre-programmed to do or you know is it okay to keep them indoors and try and satisfy their needs you know with toys and all the rest of it I I think for us as as Battersea you know we are someone that really kind of pushes um the sort of supporting the natural behaviors of cats and and being outdoors is one of those very big sort of priorities that a lot of cats do have um you know we are keen to support the public and, and those that are rehoming cats and giving them advice on how we can do that in the sort of lifestyle that we have for them now. Um, and I know that, you know, especially we've made the pushes for for landlords and things like that to allow pets in properties um, and, you know, really pushing for um, 
making it easier for to own a cat really and in the way that we can support them and and give them outside access and you know there are sort of times that we do say that a cat might be suitable for an indoor home you know that's a little bit older has a history that supports it can cope living with indoors um but for sure this is you know it's definitely something that we will push for and, and believe that a cat should have that outside access freedom to come and go as they want um and i think touching on what bridie was saying about their independence giving them that that choice and control and independence sometimes makes that bond a little bit more rewarding and knowing that you know they've got that freedom and you know you're giving them everything they need and they still choose to be with you and and to have that kind of affection and, and relationship oh hazel i so agree with that you know i always used to say when gremlin used to come home it was like the biggest compliment mm, i ever had you know because he was free particularly when we we lived in in the shire you know he had amazing land i mean once he brought a moorhen uh, back from the lake, right, which was quite far away. And I thought, I looked out and I was like, oh no, there's a dodo in my garden. Because <laughs> I'd never actually seen a moorhen's feet and they're enormous <laughs> and they're like great big paddles. And I'm like, gremlin, not again. You know, he was named gremlin for a reason. But, you know, he had lots of fun. I mean, I think. <laughs> I think Buckinghamshire's wildlife did breathe a huge sigh of relief <laughs> when when we moved back to London. But, you know, that's the thing. I mean, cats often get a bad rap for that from some mm. um, naturalists, don't they, in terms of the fact, you know, they do kill birds. Yeah. yeah. We um, have also thinking about cats when you say what do they need. We do also have our working cat scheme, um, which is those cats that aren't going to cope in that sort of domestic setting where we do send them out to farms and stables and that side of things. And that's where they're actually being utilised sometimes for mouse control. And um, so the, the wildlife that may be to keep it under control, that the cats are there working in a way that is beneficial for um mm the wildlife and keeping it in check kind of thing and I, I think for those sorts of cats as well in, in a domestic setting that we do get those prolific hunters coming through it's in their priority it's what they want to do we do give a lot of advice in supporting mm -hmm. that for owners so that we can try and sort of decrease that as much as possible because we totally understand it's not something that's desirable for a lot of owners to have um so we do we have plenty of advice that we do give for, for those that are kind of dealing with a prolific hunter just to try and keep it uh, minimal for them it is a natural thing for them but you know there are things that you can do to keep them well enriched in the home as well and try and decrease it maybe a little bit but absolutely it's not always desirable but it's a natural behavior no yeah. I know but you know gremlin when he moved in um so I, I've always lived in a basement flat in London so I have a garden you know and um we had a mouse problem um mm. I had a mouse problem it was and obviously because of Molly I couldn't put any I mean I would never put anything toxic down and you know but equally you know I got home once from the radio late at night and I sat on the sofa and you know when you get that feeling someone's watching you and I looked to my left and I couldn't believe it there was a mouse sat on the top of my cushion going evening and I thought no no this has to stop it was dreadful and Molly wouldn't couldn't be bothered and then Gremlin moved in and honestly within 48 hours we had no more mice. I think yeah. they just departed. They yeah. knew the big claw had moved in and it was in their interest to get out, you know, and it was extraordinary. But he did bring a couple of rats in over the time just for a laugh, actually. Gremlin, <laughs> he was so naughty. So it's been fun and games, you know, over the years. It's broadened my horizons. I mean, one of the things Gremlin did, but this is the thing with cats. I think, you know, people need to know they are they're, mis they're mischievous or they can be they they and they do bond with with their human because a lot of science over the years that might put people off a cat is that they once said 
they don't bond with with their humans. They're not pack animals. They they bond with their territory. And that's why, of course, moving house with a cat got to really be methodical. You've got to be very conscious that, you know, you've got to take it very slowly, introduce them to their new environment and keep them indoors for a good few weeks, really. So, but what would you say on that? Do do cats build relationships with humans? Absolutely. They they do build strong bonds, particularly some cats can be exceptionally bonded to like one particular person in the home. Um, it's about giving them that, well, choice and control, as we've said, because that's what cats love, but also sometimes just time and um, the patience for them to sort of form that trusting bond with you, because it's really important to gain that trust with cats. And absolutely, I believe they they do bond with people very strongly. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, it's interesting for me, we keep talking about gremlin, but it, I'm an interesting case, I suppose, in that I would never have ever thought I'm going to get a cat or bring a cat into my life because of the dogs. But then it appears these cats have had other other views on that and have moved in, you know, or chosen me, which again, when it happened with Gremlin, I mean, of course, I advertised him everywhere. He didn't have a chip. He still had his his testicles as a five-month-old kitten, which were removed. And I kept threatening him when he was naughty, actually. I kept saying, I believe there's a nice place south of the river where you're going to find. <laughs> find your forever home gremlin if you don't behave you know my point being don't underestimate cats and perhaps if you because I see a lot of dogs at the moment arguably not living in the best accommodation for the breed of dog or or so on and so forth there's a a lot going on I think with you know the post-pandemic fallout now with with dogs and I just think you know cats are a fantastic pet and they don't need walking every day. You know, they don't need as much attention from you, I don't think, as as a dog. They're very grateful with small amounts given regularly. And of course, it's up to individuals to bring the best out of their cat. You can train a cat and all of this. But, you know, would you say maybe if more people had got cats through the pandemic, we may not be having this massive abandonment crisis of dogs? In regards to what you say around the amount of... Um time needed for a cat I think it's very cat specific because some cats might need multiple play sessions in a day because they it's with their human that they get out some of that play behavior that they need to do or some cats can be more um needy as such of wanting to sort of be around their humans so I think it's dependent on individual cats as to how much time you may need to give them and particularly with kittens a lot of people don't understand quite how much time and effort and consistency kittens might need so that sort of thinking of cats can be just a an easier pet um isn't always the case in regards to sort of time um Mm. energy needed for them particularly if people do want to keep cats more indoor or with um without cat flap access so they're sort of more indoors with you yeah Mm. no absolutely absolutely because you know the potential of them is so great Mm. um and I do agree you know I mean I think I was lucky having outdoor access I don't think you know gremlin would have survived being an indoor cat without doubt no I mean that would never have happened with gremlin but yes so tell me do you both have cats have you both got rescue cats from Battersea I have a Battersea cat do you have a Battersea I have two Battersea cats yeah (laughs) Oh, so tell me a bit about those. Bridie, you go first with yours. So I'm a bit obsessed with older cats. As soon as they're about 12, that's when I tend to fall in love with them. So I got um, my cat there four, just over four years ago from Battersea. 
and he was 13 at the time so he's still and he that's why I was thinking about how much play and time mm. he has because he's very very playful even though he's older and he likes a lot of time but he doesn't necessarily like going out as much anymore now that he is older he sort of chooses to sort of be indoors a bit more that's why we can sometimes say that those cats may be more suited to that but he's He's wonderful and he's a huge character and I wouldn't be without him. Oh, Hazel. Um, I've got uh, two failed fosters. So I foster <laughs> kittens, orphan kittens or hand rares, um, and they stayed with me. Uh, two separate fosters, but Oberon and Ophelia, um, and they are absolutely crazy. Um, you know, they're, they're hand rears, so they're kind of very much that I am the, the forefront of all their priorities and they need me all the time. Um, so for sure we know when we're talking about the type of attention that they need that they need me a lot of the time I'm in demand most of the day all day every day <laughs> that's fantastic isn't it I mean I've noticed this with this stray cat Baggy I've named him Baggy only because he's got bags of character um, who landed on my doorstep in a terrible state and actually with my neighbor who's so what I've realized in in the last few months is that cats, you know, there's loads in rescue. <laughs> and um, my neighbor actually found a cat in Maidenhead where, where her mum lives. And in the end, her mum has kept this stray cat because my neighbor said, Anna, I found a cat. Would you want her? And I said, no, I can't possibly ever have another cat ever again. You know, I was at that moment. And apparently Battersea, because when Baggy landed on my doorstep, my neighbour said, Anna, the rescues are full. Uh, Battersea has a three month waiting list. I'm on that list. When they, if they get back to me, you know, hopefully I can offer my place to Baggy. You know, if you work out, it's not going to work out because Prudence, my bull terrier, was a bit difficult about Baggy at the beginning. Anyway, that's all resolved now. So, and sure enough, um, Battersea got in touch with my neighbour um, offering a space after three months. So this really says to me, there is a crisis out there. And I tried other other rescues as well initially for Baggy, but everyone was full. Several didn't reply, actually. So I thought, oh, gosh, I'm just going to keep him. He's obviously been sent for, by Gremlin. And um, this is going to be a great test of rehabilitation and pushing my skill set with cats, which is something I'm really excited to do. So basically, there is a crisis, isn't there? And really, people should think very carefully about bringing any pet into their home, cat or dog. But also to think about a cat, you might be thinking, listening to this, I want a dog in 2024. But maybe, maybe a cat is <laughs> the better option. <laughs> Hazel, what do you think? Bridie? <laughs> I mean, I, I think, yeah, there is definite, we've seen such an increase recently in, in our intake, specifically with cats as well. Um, you know, we are running very long waiting lists. It's, um, we, we've kind of hit a little bit of a crisis point in, in kind of doing what we can to help the cats that are on our list, help the cats that are in our care, pushing for rehoming, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I do, I do believe we're in a little bit of a tricky point at the moment, but again, you know, touching on, you know, whether people are um, considering getting a cat versus a dog, I think it's almost non-comparable. I don't think it's something you can compare in terms of, um, what you're looking for because they are so incredibly different. Um, especially with cats, it's so individual, um, with, you know, each cat is so, so different. Um, so, you know, if you are considering getting a cat, I'd encourage you to sort of have a look on our website if there's anything that kind of you like the sound of that would suit your needs um, and then get in touch with a rehomer who can sort of do a reverse matching process and that's when we can look at your needs and if there's a specific cat you're interested in their needs and making sure that those needs match so it's absolutely not a kind of um, a point of you know someone wants a cat they can come in and we'll, we'll give them um, something that matches their needs it's got to be the right thing for the cat as well um, so it's you know 
either way, considering a cat or a dog, I think it's kind of we want to make sure that everyone's needs are met um, in the best way possible. Mm, absolutely. You know, Bridie, what would you say to that? I mean, you know, because sometimes when you're looking to adopt a dog, um, normally all rescues <laughs> invariably will say no cats. And at one point I was looking to bring in a younger dog but I had gremlin. So I just thought, well, oh, it's not going to work. I'm not going to be able to adopt because I've got a cat, you know. Does it work the opposite way, you know, with cats in your care? So it's like no dogs or so is, is it flexible? Yeah, so this is where it is really fantastic to come to a rescue setting to get your new cat. Because what we do is we look at like their history. We, um, if a cat's very bold, if it's lived with dogs before, so it has a great history with dogs. Um, if it's a kitten that we think absolutely this could work, then we can actually match you to a cat that we think will be able to settle in with a dog in the home. We can also give you all that advice about introducing cats and dogs, because that is the most important thing is making sure that you do that process at the right speed for both of the animals. And we can give you advice around, well, what will the cat's body language be like? What will you see in your cat when it's ready to meet the dog and when it's settled? So by coming to places like Battersea, you can make sure that you're doing the best by both animals and actually find the right fit. And we are very flexible because we want people to rehome from us and we want cats to go out into their new homes. So we will be as flexible as possible responsibly so that, you know, it works out for everyone. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's brilliant because, I mean, what I've seen, you know, only in the last 13 years, it's this amazing interspecies mm -hmm. communication going on, which is absolutely delightful, you know, and and also it's enrichment in a way for, for both of them, both the dogs and cats when they get on. It's actually really fun and they have their their friends. And uh, nice when we get updates because mm -hmm. when customers, when they take cats home, they'll send us once the cat settled photos and let us know. And when we get them and it's a cat and a dog and they're all happily together, it's just so wonderful. And we do, you know, that's what we get because we do offer so much support. It like invariably works out and we get wonderful updates. So it's always really lovely to see those. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. hundred percent. Well, um, where can people go? I mean, all the links are going to be in the show notes, but with cats specifically, you know, um, where would you guide people who are listening to find out more basically and how they can explore cats at Battersea? Yeah, I think um, straight to our website, really, our Battersea website, you can meet the cats that we've got up free homing on there. Um, and each cat will have a little bit about their personality, a little sort of blurb, as it were, about the cat. Um, so you can get an idea of the type of cat that you're maybe interested in. Um, and we always try and sort of recommend people to be fully registered before they contact us. It just helps the sort of uh, rehoming process a little bit quicker um, so that we've got all the information that we need to start that match matching process for a cat as well. So definitely just encourage people to have a look on our website if there's a cat they like the look of get registered fill out our form online um, and then you know we can be in contact and chat through the cats that you're interested in I can confirm yeah. we have many many lovely lovely oh, yes. on our sites at the moment so many their lovely homes <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I bet you get lots of pregnant cats and then obviously you've got to raise them, have, have the birthing and raise the tiny kittens. And kittens are so cute. But we mm. must say to everyone, you know, kittens like puppies, they grow into grown ups. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. 
I think kitten season has been quite long this year. <laughs> um, we've been very in demand with kittens. So, you know, it's it's kind of, we've been a lot of kitten homes that we've had available for rehoming. Um, and on that, I, you know, it's really important for us to use this platform and sort of encourage the neutering side of things. And um, and I know that recently, very soon, we'll be having the um, microchipping law coming in as well for cats so that that's, um, you know, going to be uh, needed for cats to the law to have a microchip which is really great news really yeah. really great news I mean Gwen was obviously chipped and I am going to get Baggy chipped actually because he hasn't got a chip obviously that was checked and then you know it's kind of like that big commitment he's now mm. definitely mine but he yeah. does seem to want to stay you know and yeah. I'll tell you the last four months oh it's been so amazing I've had to push my dog training skills to the absolute limit you know and really work on this and uh it's been um so rewarding I can't tell you so one day I hope you'll meet um baggy bags of character <laughs> and I so wanted him to be you could see him in the background yeah very very handsome boy he is isn't he well he is looking at now he's, he's I like the little white bit on his bib yeah yeah it's so sweet Gorgeous. isn't it? His, that you couldn't even see that and yes and he may end up you know being neutered at the moment I mean honestly the shock of seeing bare testicles you know i.e without any fur was <laughs> absolutely I just went oh <laughs> and that, that's what made me realize he wasn't a kitten he was just minute because he hadn't got any muscle or any yeah. fat or any fur on him so he looked minute so it was a terrible shame but I tell you they were they were quite big so but now he's kind of got more into proportion and they've got lots of hair on them it's all a lot more aesthetically <laughs> yes which is just a little add-on here but uh yeah yeah so well look um thank you thank Thank you so much, Bridie and Hazel. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, indeed. You do like a bit of interspecies communication. And what's that? Yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. If you're thinking about bringing a pet into your life this year, please adopt Don't Shop. And if a dog was your first thought, maybe a cat would suit you better. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again to Bridie Williams and Hazel Adams for joining us today. And all the links to Battersea are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer, for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And find out more about me, some packages I offer for training and nutrition. I'm just at Anna Web Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you make it easy and subscribe now? That way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.